Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the PGA DraftCast brought to you by WinDailySports.com. Just a quick reminder that WinDaily Sports doesn't just cover golf. They cover the NFL, the NHL, MLB, NBA, soccer, MMA, NASCAR, you name the sport. WinDaily Sports has projection models, optimizers, articles, and our famous Discord chat to cover it all. Now, if you click the promo link below and you type in Win Big or Green, you will get one week free of WinDaily. And then after that, it is just $5.99 per week for all of that, including some of our betting content. Now, let's get to the PGA DraftCast, where we have proven track records with Joel, Spencer, David, and myself. Let's have some fun. Get in the chat. Make sure you subscribe to the page, and make sure you hit the like button. Let's do this snake draft. Let's do the PGA DraftCast. Let's do it right now. What is up, everybody? It's a blue shirt. It's the same shirt, but different lighting. I swear I didn't record that just 60 seconds ago. This is the Wind Daily Sports PGA Draftcast. We're short, Joel, but you know what? We said, Joel, we don't need you this week because guess what? We just secured Joe Nicely. Joe, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Hey, see you. Doing great, man. Nice to, nice to be with you. Good to talk to you. Um, always uh, good to get to catch up with Spencer and, and really excited, man. This is one of my my most favorite little shows. Um, I just love this format. So I'm always excited to jump in and, and draft with you guys. So Joe rumor on the street is uh, you and Spencer cheated on me and maybe just recorded a show. Like, I don't know, an hour ago. Is that accurate? Yeah, man. We uh, Spencer was able to hop on with me, uh, do, do the turn golf podcast. Um, my, my co-host Andrew had, had some things going on tonight. So Spencer thankfully popped in. We had a lot of fun, man, talking through the Wells Fargo. So we we're kind of ready for you. See, we've been prepping, man. We got we got about an hour under our belts of talking this thing over. It's gonna be a good turn. I absolutely love that. And before we get uh Spencer, I want to ask how you're doing, but but I gotta ask Joe this question because we don't have him on this show often. Um, you just referenced the podcast. Where can everybody find your podcast and your work in general? Um, yeah, you can always find all my stuff exclusively at rotoballer.com. Um, all my written contents over there and uh, video we do every week is at the turn golf pod on Twitter. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify. Um, so definitely hope you'll go check that out and, and check out Spencer over at rotoballer as well. We've got a great staff over there. Uh, we're really excited. We continue to grow every single year and, and we feel like uh, it, it's a great offering uh, for those that want to get into PGA DFS, golf betting. Uh, Byron's doing some Rainmaker stuff over there, which he's talked about a lot with Joel. Um, mm-hmm. So we're just really excited about the uh, kind of the entirety of our content over there. I'll tell you what, Spencer, I'm excited about just this this casual relationship that Wind Daily Sports has with Rotoballer. Joel is doing stuff with Byron, a.k.a. Model Maniac, who is in the chat, by the way. Hello, uh, Byron and Edward and... The other Brian, or I shouldn't say Byron and Brian, uh, we, we got everybody in the chat. Everybody hit the like button. But Spencer, I'm loving this sort of rotoballer wind daily sports thing. And having Joe on today makes it that much sweeter. A, how's everything going? And B, you got to tell us right now, um, you love wind daily sports more than you love rotoballer, right? You're on a wind daily show. You have to say it. Sorry, those are the rules. 
I'm a man of the people. I bring everybody together here. Like I think all the connections have stemmed from me on this. So uh, I love Win Daily. I love Rotoballer. I love everybody at both of those two companies. And I, I think that, you know, this show and, and all the content that gets made at Win Daily, obviously you guys do a great job in the Discord there and all the content that we have going on over at Rotoballer. Like there's a lot of really great information in this space. And I think it just goes to show when you look at all these sites, like there's so many amazing content creators at this point right now that we have. So it's always a pleasure to be able to bring Joe on this show and kind of combine both of my worlds here with that. So uh, thank you, Joe, for coming on. And I guess the one negative thing I will say, and I told Joe this, like we did that show live and not only did we give each other all our answers, we also gave all our answers to anybody who was listening. So uh, we told everybody to come over here I don't know. We might have given away too much this week. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, thank you for being in the chat. Before we, Spencer, before we get to your your course preview, and then of course we're going to bring up the board and we're just going to get started drafting. By the way, audience, those of you that are already in here, and it's a lot of you. First of all, again, hit the like button. But second of all, you got to stay in here the whole way because we don't have the benefit of David in the chat. Uh, Joel is absent today. He had to WD like all of his players that he drafts. So he'll be back next week. David will be back next week. But stay in the chat, stay active, and make sure you assist in drafting team audience. Joe, before we do the course preview from Spencer, I got to ask you because I did a couple shows already this week, just like you and Spencer have. And one thing, I was really excited about this tournament from a DFS standpoint, and it's mostly a result of the fact that we don't have John Rahm and Scotty Sheffield. Like I understand from a, just a purist standpoint, it's great to have those two. But I got to be honest, from a DFS standpoint, it's kind of nice not having those two around. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, man, totally agree. So yeah, um, Spencer and I talked about that earlier uh, on on my show. It's uh, it's kind of like those two are in in a tier of their own right now. Um, yes. and, and the the next tier down, you know. Some guys will talk about the Rory's, um, you know, mm -hmm. which we could argue maybe is in that top tier with with Scotty and Rom. But you know, certainly the Xanders, the the Patrick Cantlays, Colin Morikawa's, Tony Finau, um, those guys are all re really similar players, uh, play at a really consistently high level, uh, but they're not quite on that Rom Scheffler tier. Um, so it's going to be really fun, man, kind of having those two big boys out this week. Um, it, it's it's really neat. It's really neat. It's going to be a great event. It is going to be a great event. And Spencer, speaking of the event, we've got Quail Hollow and we've got an audience that's interested in you breaking down Quail Hollow. So go ahead and do that. And then we're going to finally get to this draft and bring up the board. Yeah, so it's uh, Quail Hollow, 7,554 yards, par 71 Bermuda Greens. It was designed in 1961 by George Cobb. Uh, the venue has seen redesigns in the last 25 years including a makeover that added extra distance to the facility before the 2017 PGA Championship. Uh, it's typically held at this course. Last year, it wasn't because of the President's Cup. Uh, same answer for this being held at the 2017 PGA Championship. But I kind of tend to think that this venue is very straightforward. Like you get this heavily pronounced area when you run a statistical model. You get you know, tree-lined parklands and undulating fairways and all of that forges this methodical approach that does reduce driving accuracy by nearly eight yards. But I wouldn't let those numbers fool you when it comes to the correct procedure for trying to tackle this layout. For me, it really comes down to distance and long iron play. Like anytime you have a course that's over 7,500 yards and grades as a par 71, distance is going to be something that you want to look at. It's one of the reasons why nearly 16 yards further on this course than you typically get when you look at driving distance over a prototypical stop. Um, there's a 13.2% enhancement in projected approach shots from beyond 175 yards. 73% of your irons will come from 150 plus yards. So I think that all those answers kind of tell me, at least I want to try to find total drivers of the ball. I want to try to find long iron proximity I think you could make an argument about what happens when you reduce the GIR percentage by 4% here. Now, historically, we've seen guys like Hovland and Cameron Young find success because they are such quality ball strikers at the end of the day. And I do think that these ups and downs are pretty easy compared to a typical stop on tour. But, you know, I think depending on how you build a model this week or what you exactly incorporate into it, you're going to get these vastly different answers with it. And, I always try to run things from a weighted perspective to try to mimic a course as much as I can, whether that be from a weighted scoring or a weighted tee to green, but like answers are going to have to be made and questions are going to have to be asked. And 
you're going to have to make some really tough decisions for how to narrow down this player pool because really anybody $9,000 and up, in my eyes, they're all top 16 golfers in my model. They're all playable, but you can't play everybody for DraftKings. So you're going to have to make some really uncomfortable Xs across players that you probably didn't want to get rid of. And depending on how many lineups you're making, that number is going to have to shrink more and more. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. And and I, I think what's interesting here and we'll get to this in, and this is part part of the reason the draft cast is so good because we're not going to have a chance to like take a lot of the, the chalk, even if we wanted to do that, we're not going to have a chance to take all the chalk, but, but I do worry a little bit. Maybe it shouldn't be a worry. And Joe, I'll kick this to you as we try to bring up the board here that everybody's going to kind of filter down into, well, I got to take, I got to take the, the bombers, you know, I got to take, you know, we have a little subset of guys who are just pristine with the long irons. I got to take those guys. Is there maybe a type of player? Like, obviously those players are very much in play. Are are you just leaning on that? Or are there some players that are sticking into your player pool that maybe aren't as long or maybe have an emphasis on the, around the green game or or something that's maybe different from just the conventional? Yeah. I mean, I think maybe uh, more, more than just the skill set I'm targeting. See, is, you know, I'm willing, as we mentioned, without, without Scotty, without Rom in this field, there's a lot of parity. Um, these mm-hmm. guys are to a certain extent on a level playing field. So, you know, if I see ownership kind of sagging behind, uh, on, on a guy, I feel is a really good player, but maybe not a wonderful statistical fit. Um, I'll be willing to go to him this week. Um, just because I do think we're going to see ownership kind of concentrate in a couple spots. Um, so, you know, got to be willing to pivot. Um, as Spencer and I talked about earlier, this is, you know, almost like a major in that you got to make some tough decisions this week. Absolutely. And Spencer, you're going to have the first tough decision because it's going to be your pick first. And by the way, I'm putting the overlay on there and it's a little off center. I don't know if you can fix that, Spencer. Certainly not my department. If you can, that's great. If not, that's cool. We still have the board right here. So Spencer, before before you make your first pick, real quick question for you, Joe. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Super quick question. We try to get to know our guests a little bit more than we already do. Your top three favorite movies of all time. Ooh, top three favorite movies of all time. Wow. I love Heat. Heat's up there. Good one. Um, one of my favorites. Um, I'm I'm I'll kind of put Quentin Tarantino in his on tier on, on tier. I love all all the Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh Jackie Brown's criminally underrated, by the way. Jackie um, Brown. Okay. And you know, I'm I'm kind of I grew up in the '80s, man. On Star Wars, I love the Star Wars stuff. Grew up watching all that, so I'll I'll go those. Uh, that'll kind of be my my cheating way of answering the top three movie question. Great movies, absolutely love it. All right, Spencer, it's your pick. Who's going number one overall for the Wells Fargo Championship? So obviously, we have ownership condensing in all the same spots this weekend. I, I won't name all the players because there, there's a lot of them that are kind of 20% plus in this call it 8,500 plus range here. I'm going to probably go with the one that's going to be the most popular in Rory McIlroy. And I know what he did to me at the masters. Um, I'm willing to go back and give him another shot here. I, I just look at this course history and I look at a golfer that, you know, nine consecutive finishes here inside the top 20 Uh, Eight of those have come inside the top 10. He has two wins since 2012. I think from a statistical perspective, like it probably helped him that he took some time off. I I know the masters must've been a grueling gut punch for him. He had big aspirations to try to capture the career grand slam and it kind of all fell apart on him last minute with it. And it just was not a good start, but number one in my model for weighted T to green, he's number two for weighted scoring. He's number one for the weighted total driving that I ran inside the top five for weighted proximity. There's just outside of ownership. There's really not that much that I can find that I don't like from him this weekend. Obviously that means to an extent, I'm going to have to try to get different with it and build a unique lineup because when you go 25 to 30% chalk Rory at the top, kind of drawing a line in the sand and saying that like something has to go, I can't play him and then grab like the next 25% plus player. I'm going to run into problems there, but I'll take Rory and we'll go from there. I do think he's the most likely person to win this event. And I guess the one thing I'll say, as you can see, it's still red right now. That's from when Jolt cheated last week. And this is what happens when you cheat. 
<laughs> I cheated this week and gave myself the first pick and the system knows just make it red. That's really funny. Uh, it's a scarlet letter, if you will. Uh, scarlet letters. Uh, I don't have a problem with the Rory pick. Uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to be playing much Rory this week. Joe, before we get to your pick, and I don't have an argument against him. It's just the way I'm building. I'm, I'm just kind of going lower. I'm, I'm doing a lot of builds. I'm starting in the 9K range. Joe, before we get to your pick, your thoughts on Rory. I mean, it's hard to say, well, I don't like Rory. But my real question is, in DFS, is he going to be a primary piece for you? Probably not a primary PC is probably, I mean, I think it's, you know, when you make multiple lineups like I do, you know, you'll have to have some exposure to Rory um, because there is such tournament winning upside there. Um, but anytime you start talking about the highest price player on the board being extremely popular, um, I think it's interesting, you know, from a, from a pivot perspective to, to move away from that in GPPs. And that's probably where we are with Rory this week. Uh, but, you know, obviously terrific play, great course history, um, you know, the, the best player in this field without, without Roy, without a uh, Rom or Scheffler teeing it up. So a um, lot to like about Rory, but I think there are some avenues and GPPs where you move away from that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you have an avenue right now. You've got the first pick for the Wells Fargo championship, or I should say the second pick, but your first pick, who's it going to be? Yeah. Uh, Spencer really went on, went out on a limb there with Rory, didn't he? So uh, I, gu I guess I'll, I guess I'll kind of stay, stay with the chalk as well. And I'll, I'll go with the guy that for me is number two behind Rory. Uh, that's Victor Hovland. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love where the game's trending. Um, had a T3 in his last start at Quail Hollow uh, in 2021, shot 68, 67 over the weekend then. Um, got, a, got a taste of the fire at the Masters, and, and it just feels like, you know, this is a, a super talented player that's eventually uh, – we've seen him win, but we're going to see him win a big golf tournament eventually and it feels like Vic is heading in the right direction I love the tee to green play uh on this type of golf course so I'm going Victor Hovland at 9200 there for my first pick see you nice and I see Spencer with the technical skills has has fixed our overlay issues so we can see Victor Hovland perfectly now and I'll tell you I love Victor Hovland too and a lot of people love Victor Hovland which is why he's approaching you know that 25 to 30 percent range but, you know, here's, here's my thought on, on chalk, especially at the top of the board. If, if you think the guy's going to win the tournament, play the chalk. You know, figure out how to get different in other sure. places. You don't, yeah. you don't absolutely have to fade chalk just because you see, you know, a reddish or pinkish number that indicates that it's a super chalky player. I think Victor Hopland is, is primed to win. And, Joe, on this very show, I've kind of been talking about how it's just a matter of time for Victor Hopland. Yeah. And he's wilted on a couple of Sundays, but this just seems like such a good course fit. The ball striking, the driving distance, the tee to green, whether you're looking at tee to green or weighted tee to green, like he's just performing so well with the metrics. And I, I do think in a tournament without Rahm and Scotty, this is, this is maybe the time where Victor Hovland pops. So I, I absolutely love that pick. The question for me right now is, do I also go chalk? Because I'm very much aware of – and I saw the audience actually mention this guy. So they're going to be really mad if I, if I steal him. But, but listen, I've been on other shows too. I've obviously talked about this guy. So has the entire industry. And I just wonder if, it's, if I should be pulling the trigger there or if I should just avoid all the chalk just, just to do it. But I'm going to pull the trigger on this guy. And I'm going to get different uh, in a lot of other places. There you go. Wow, Spencer is a wizard. 8,700 is just too much of a value. Yeah. Uh, for Cameron Young. It, that's just really the bottom line there. And, and I would say the same about Victor Hovland and a handful of other guys in this tournament. I love that Paul Tesori is on the bag to kind of just have that tutelage in Cameron Young's back pocket. I love the course fit. There's just nothing not to like, especially when you consider this price. So it's Cameron Young for me. And I'm sorry, audience, because I see that you had uh, mentioned Cameron Young earlier. I promised that wasn't a steal, but here we are. Uh, Cameron Young gate. Um, Spencer, real quick on on Victor Hovland, and, and by the way, audience, it's your turn or your time to nominate. Real quick on Cameron Young and Victor Hovland. Obviously, we just went super chalky with our first three picks. In terms of value, maybe value or just how it, how it rates out in your with your data. How do you rank these three guys? You know, it's funny you asked that, Steve, because they're actually the top three players in my model. Um, wow. We can say from a value perspective that these numbers should change, but if we're just looking from who is the best player? Ignore price for a second. It would be Rory one, Hovland two, Cameron Young three. So it kind of went as chalk as it could be straight down the line with us. And I'm happy that the draft started this way because one, it makes it so 
we don't necessarily want to get into a spot, any of us, to where a lineup starts Hovland and Young and we go super chalky with it. And two, it's going to give a different perspective to everybody out there to show this is what happens if you do start with a chalk, uh, a chalk name mm-hmm. at the top. And now you're going to have to differentiate because the two next most chalk options are going to be off the board. They're not going to be takeable for us here. So I think this is going to be probably one of the better shows you can watch because of that reason. Um, It's just going to naturally give you a much different thought process. that's going to have to come into play. Yeah. And good for the audience, by the way. And thank you, Stephen, for sort of aggregating the picks and confirming what I thought I had already seen, which is speaking of chalk, you know, a couple of guys who are chalky, well, one in particular, uh, but both are a little chalky, but that's okay. We're getting all the chalky guys out of the way. And Spencer, that's the point you were just making is now we can't really build super chalk lineups because all these guys are gone and it lends itself to making a good, and we'll see how it turns out to making a good GPP lineup. Joe, I want to ask you, um, I like Patrick Cantlay and Sung JM. Obviously you can't play everybody. And, and I think for me, because a lot of my builds are starting in the nine K range, I think I'm willing to get away from Patrick Cantlay, but I will have him in some lineups. And I do like Sung JM. I like his all around game. He just seems so reliable. I don't necessarily love him to win, but I like him in some matchups. I like him in the top 20 market and I love his price in DFS. Are you warm to him as well? Or knowing that you have to make some decisions and make some cuts is Sung Jay on the outside looking at? Yeah, he, he actually is for me. So yeah, it's really, really funny that this came up because Spencer and I just talked about this a little bit, a little bit ago when we were kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum with uh, Spencer really locking Sung Jay and me being more willing to fade him. Um, uh, Sungjae is a fine player, um, you know, certainly a guy I wouldn't mind, you know, playing on a week-to-week basis, one of the most consistent players. But um, it just circles back around the upside for me. Um, you know, I, I do question Sungjae's win equity. Uh, we haven't seen him win as much as we'd hoped. Um, you know, so, you know, I'm always willing to kind of fade a, a chalky T12. Um, that, that Yeah, it might hurt yeah. you a little bit, but the guy's not going to just absolutely bury you. Um, if you pivot away and that's kind of where I feel with Sung Jay, you know, if he, if he beats me, he beats me, if he wins this golf tournament, he wins it. Uh, you know, but if he goes out there and kind of has a, an average Sung Jay performance and, and, you know, logs a T15, uh, we're okay. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine with moving away from Sung Jay, even though I think he's a fine player. It's so interesting because I agree with you. Yet Sungjae in, in like three of the last five tournaments, he's actually top 10, you know, sixes and yeah. sixth places and seventh places. But to your point, I kind of still see him as that guy. And maybe I'm just late to the party. And, but but I, I, I like your analysis in terms of, you know, if you're looking for a T12 guy or a T8 guy, like Sungjae's your guy, but is he going to go out and win the tournament? That's a different question. Patrick Cantlay is certainly that guy. I don't know that Sungjae M is that guy, but I don't mind the pick at all. I think Sungjae M at 9,100 is incredible value. I'm going to go somewhat rogue uh, now. It Actually, it's not super rogue because he is picking up a little bit. He's around 15% from what I'm seeing. I just I, And I don't think he's going to get above 15%. I think this guy's a really good course fit. And I think he's kind of getting hot at the right time. Uh, he, he won the match play. Right before that, he was sixth at the Valspar. Since then, he's, you know, had a, he's peppered in a couple top 15s. And we know the driving distance can be there for him. I mean, it, it's decent. The, the, the irons can get can get dialed in, but the putting can really get dialed in. And Spencer, you nailed it. Sam Burns at 8,600. I just think he's a great guy to build with. I love the upside. I, I almost it, it's an it's an unfair comparison, perhaps, between Sam Burns and Sung JM. Sung JM is, has been the better player. Oh, like if you if you take a large a larger sample size, but I feel like Sam Burns has more win equity than than Sung JM, and that's ultimately what I'm looking for in any GPP, in any DFS tournament. So I'm going to go with Sam Burns there. Spencer, before we get to Joe's pick, your thoughts on Sam Burns? This is very frustrating, Sia. I I don't know how Sam Burns is off the board right now, and I have to be honest, I don't know how Sung JM is off the board. Hmm. Like, those are maybe two of the best plays in the entire tournament in my eyes. So I, and now this is really like, if you really want to get technical with what I was talking about earlier, now this is such a challenging build, like starting Rory for me, because there's no world where I'm starting Rory and I don't want to have Sam Burns or Sung JM, or even try to figure out a way to get both of them in a lineup. So with that possibility gone and like kind of the, the easy answer of trying to get myself out of this by just going chalk chalk with younger Hovland. Like 
pretty much you guys have taken the top five players in my model. <laughs> and like, it's really a tough build from this point because I don't necessarily want a lot of these guys near the top. So I really like Sam Burns. Um, I really like Sung JM. Those are two players that I'm going to be massively overweight to compared to the field. Okay. That's, that sounds great. Well, I'm curious to see who your next pick is going to be, but Joe, it's your turn. You started strong uh, with Victor Hovland. Who's next? Man, I just, I just kind of feel like it's been Groundhog's Day uh, with, with this player for me all year. I, I just keep rostering him every week, waiting, because I know know how explosive he can be. Um, but I'm I'm going with him again. I, I just like the value, and I love the upside of Justin Thomas um, at 8,900. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, won the, won the 2017 PGA Championship on this golf course. Um, has every shot in the bag. Uh, we know he's an excellent mid to long iron player. Uh, just hadn't had the putter to cooperate, guys. Uh, it's it's you know, and, and there's no indicator that it will necessarily this week. Um, but I, but I'm willing to take uh, you know his his high level tee to green play uh, and take my chances that the putter does come alive. Um, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about with Sung Jay. Uh, you know, more than likely we're looking at. You know, a top 25 uh, from Sung Jay. Um, I feel like that's JT's floor, uh, even when things aren't going super, super great. Uh, I know he missed the cut at the Masters, but, you know, a, a, a T25 kind of feels like the floor to me with, uh, you know, a lot of win equity there. So I'm locking in JT with Vic, and I'm feeling pretty good about things. Yeah, that's interesting how you put that. I, 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 this is why I love having different people on the show, Joe. You, you, you basically just said you think T twenty five is is Justin Thomas's floor. I never thought of it like that. I kind of agree with you. That certainly doesn't crush you at eighty nine hundred. But you're right. The more important part of the statement that you made is that the upside is certainly there. We know he's done it on this course. Granted, different event, but done it on this course. And for the record, the putting. It wasn't bad. I mean, he lost like a stroke putting at the RBC Heritage, I believe. I'm not looking at it right now, but I think it was like a, a stroke and a fraction beyond that. So, I mean, it's it's not like the last few tournaments. You can make the argument that the putter is potentially getting better. So um, I, I I don't necessarily have JT in my pool. It's because of some of the guys that I've already drafted in, in that upper 8K range. So it's hard for me to just like everybody in the upper 8K range. But, but I do like the JT play. Spencer, I don't know if you have any comments on JT, but either way, you've got back-to-back picks now. Uh, I mean, I guess my comments for JT would be he's probably still very boomer bust. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't go out and win this golf tournament for 20% own. Like I, maybe Joe's right that the floor is like a top 20, 25 here. Um, but God, I, I like, this is, I'll try to pivot us into my pick here, but this is very difficult. Um, so I guess with my first name, I will take somebody that I think is one of the better values on the board. If you're going to say that I can't have Burns and I can't have Sungjae. I know the ownership is kind of starting to trend upwards right now, but give me Tommy Fleetwood at $8,000. Dang it, Spencer. I think it's good to know that if I didn't pick him here, he would have been stolen from me again because this seems to be where this show is going tonight. But I I like him from a a way to tee to green perspective. I think it's a really good course fit for him. Like you could make an argument that if I think around the green gets partially reduced, that it takes away one of his biggest strengths here. But I really like him at these difficult golf courses and he kind of fits that exact mold that I'm looking for. So he's a top 15 player for me in pretty much every iteration of how I ran it. And we're looking at a golfer that's $8,000, the 20th price player on the board. So uh, that's a very intriguing option for me. I'll let you guys talk about that for a second as I try to figure out where I go next. Yeah, Joe, your your thoughts on that pick? Um, I was hoping Tommy would make it back around to me. Um, that's how much I like the pick. Um, I, I've been a fan of his this year. Um, he hasn't been able to close, but he's been in contention. Um, love him on tough golf courses, you know, like, like we're expecting Quail Hollow to play this week. Um, and I love the price point. So yeah, it's a, it's an amazing pick by Spencer and and one I wish he hadn't have made because that was probably going to be my next one. I'm actually surprised that he's even over 10%. And I only say that because I haven't heard anybody say a word about Tommy Fleetwood. He is so under the radar right now. And Joe, is that because 
he doesn't seem like the optimal course fit in terms of like that sort of bomber narrative that that even myself is is parroting, you know, as the week goes. Is is that why maybe he's not getting the attention he deserves? Uh, maybe see ya. Um, I think a lot of it, man. A lot of folks, you know how PGA DFS is, guys. It's pretty addictive. So a lot of players that are playing PGA DFS play every single week. Yep. Um, and, and I think maybe there's just a little bit of Tommy Fleetwood fatigue out there where he's he's just not got that win yet. Um, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes people just get tired of rostering guys that they feel like maybe can't win. Um, so, you know, there's probably a little bit of, of that going on with Tommy. Um, and he's not the longest guy in the world, um, but we've seen him handle, you know, U.S. played very well in U.S. Opens, Open Championships. Um, you know, we've seen him kind of work his way around long golf courses. So I'm I'm not concerned about the – about the fit there speaking of long spencer have we delayed things long enough for you to find a third player on team spencer yes and i'm going to go with a player who is long off the tee here in kurt kitayama so um when we look at this from a two-year perspective he's 21st in my model for distance when we look at this for 2023 he's 23rd so he's going to bring you that and then I know he's gone miscut, miscut, which can be a little bit alarming coming here for a golfer that does seem to be picking up a little bit of traction here for ownership. But I love the combination that he brings to the table of the weighted proximity, specifically if we're looking from 200 plus yards. He's third in my model there. And like I keep going back to the golfer that I think wins this tournament is the one that adds those two combinations together. And look, Kiriyama's won an elevated event this year. He's shown that he can do it. It doesn't mean that he's going to do it again, but we don't necessarily even need that at 7,200. So feels like a bit of a mispricing to me. Um, I'm going to go a different route with how I'm going to, was going to build this, but anytime I can get that positive trajectory for the way to tee the green, which just means it's a really good course fit at the end of the day, I'm going to going to ignore the missed cuts in back-to-back starts and kind of bet on what we've seen from him historically uh, at venues like this. And this is kind of what Kitayama is to me in a nutshell. Like he's a highly, highly volatile golfer that at any point can just implode. But when he pops, he pops in a really big way. And I mean, like he wins tournaments or he comes top 10. So going to hope that he gives one of those top tens and not a missed cut. But when I pair him with somebody like Rory, all of a sudden there, you have a bunch of potential that's like to pair with Rory for a really cheap player. Yeah, and the good news there too, from an ownership standpoint, is that it's it's just there's so many guys between like seven thousand and seventy two hundred that a lot of people are just going to like. There's nobody going to be like prohibitively popular. It's just not going to happen. So I think Kurt Kitayama is a super smart player. I honestly think between seven thousand and seventy two hundred specifically, maybe I mean I, I no between those two ranges. I think there's so many guys you can justify playing. And of course, we're going to be wrong on a lot of those guys that we like because that's just how it works. They're in the low 7K range for a reason. But there's some studs down there and some like high upside potential. And I think Kurt Kitayama is one of those guys. Joe, you've got Hovland. You've got JT. Who's next? I think there's a couple ways you can go here. As you mentioned, see, the 7K range um, is really deep this week. Um, and because it's deep, I'm going to kind of paint myself in a corner a little bit with this pick. Um, I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler at 8,800, mm. um, which is, it's, it's going to kind of, kind of force me to go towards the bottom of the scale uh, the rest of the way, but I'm fine with that because it, the seven K range is deep. And uh, you know, maybe I'm picking with my heart with Ricky just because, you know, I think it'd be a great story to see him kind of come full circle. Uh, his first PGA tour win was at Quail Hollow. Um, it would kind of be cool to see him kind of get back uh, towards the top of the game this week. And I think he's trending that direction. So it's not totally just a hard pick. Um, statistically, uh, there's a really a lot to lock with Ricky. He's gained strokes on approach in every single start of 2023. Uh, we saw things kind of start coming around at the end of last year. Um, he, he's back with Butch Harmon. The swing looks excellent. And, and we saw some false starts from him in the past, but – but what he's really kind of rediscovered is is what was always his calling cord. That's his consistency. Um, so he's playing extremely consistent golf this year, um, and he's played at Quail, played well at Quail Hollow even when he's been in bad form. So um, just a lot to like with Ricky. Uh, feels like a safe pick, and, and I'm hoping for some upside out of him. 
I love that pick. I think it's a good pick. I don't know, again, because that range, it's so loaded with guys that I've, you can see I, I already like quite a bit with like the Cameron Youngs and Sam Burns of the world. I don't know if I'm getting to Ricky or not, but I think Ricky Fowler is a great pick. He almost seems like a little overpriced, which I would have thought would have driven maybe his ownership down. And it looks like it has. I don't think his ownership is going to be very high at all. So again, everybody sort of recalculate your brain when, when you see somebody that's like in DFS, that's like, oh man, they're, they're just too expensive. I'm not going to take that guy. You have to keep in mind, that's literally what everybody else is thinking that's going to be in your tournament, which is going to drive the ownership down. So um, hopefully Ricky Fowler stays low if he does. I mean, I'm seeing, Spencer, let me ask you. I mean, are you seeing as low as 10% on Ricky Fowler? So I have a more, I have, and it doesn't mean it's right. Um, my numbers are kind of always all over the place until we get to Wednesday. I currently have about 16.5% on him right okay. now. Um, maybe it lands somewhere in between that. And I, and I think if it does, that would be a really good percentage for Ricky here. And I think you kind of said it best, Sia. And that's the thing that I try to preach as much as I can on these shows. It's like, if you have a golfer that is, let's just say adequately priced or maybe on the high end ever so slightly, if that reduces ownership for that player, I mean, I don't know how much more you can ask for. Like, that's how you get your leverage and that's how you can pivot. And that's how you can like get away from, I won't use specific names in this example here, but like a player that might be the same quality that he is, but that's double the ownership. Instead, you take the golfer who's half the ownership where it's truly a 50-50 head-to-head sort of matchup with it. So uh, the other thing I'd like to point out to that is I think Joe's way of going about this, and I don't know how he's going to wrap this up, but it's a very savvy way to try to play at least three players for me that are popular because if you start with Victor Hovland, that's at least in my eyes going to make it marginally more unique than if Victor Hovland's the second man into your lineup. Mm -hmm. So I like uh, Joe's lineup a lot for that reason. And I also like right now what you have going, Sia. Like it's a very, it's a very nice start to where you have a really popular Cameron Young and then Burns is picking up some traction, but he's not picking up that much. Like he's a really good pivot away from a lot of those other names. So uh, the two of you have made really good three person start or three pick starts here. Well, I'm curious to see what you think with my next pick. And I have a pick that I already know I'm going to plant into my lineup that I think is going to shock everybody. So I, I, I can't wait for that. But speaking of shocking, I'm looking at the chat. Um, I love this chat. This is the best chat in, in all of a golf DFS. I don't know what this reference is. Like maybe I just haven't watched enough movies. This has to be like a franchise thing. It says, Ed says, Hovland is like Piglet. And then Stephen, who's going to have our ownership article at windailysports.com and in our Discord tomorrow night, uh, he says J.B. Holmes is Piglet. And then Brent says Rory is Christopher Robin for sure. And then Byron Model Maniacs says, I think they were all great Piglets. What is going on? What is happening? Does anybody get these references? I think Jason Day is Winnie the Pooh. It's funny you should say that. Guess who my next pick is, Spencer? It's your boy. And I'm surprised. Listen, I, he's not getting a ton of chatter either. And he, he's certainly sub 15% from what I'm seeing. Previous winner here. Granted, it was back in 2018. But I love how the game has come back. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of him lately. And I think it's kind of one of those out of sight, out of mind things. And granted, the off the tee game has been a little checkered over the last few tournaments. But overall, the off the tee game has been vastly improved. The ball striking is back for Jason Day. We know he has the short game. I'm not really sure why this guy isn't getting a lot of chatter, but I'm happy to start my lineup with Cameron Young, Sam Burns, and Jason Day and see where I go from there. Spencer, your thoughts on Jason Day? Obviously, I know you love him in general, but do you love him for this tournament? I have mixed feelings on him. Like, So it's kind of what I was talking about at the start, that if you look at every $9,000 and up golfer, they're all inside the top 16 of my model you're really not going to find any name that could be said that I'm like, I want no exposure to that player. The answer where I get no exposure to them is because I have to cut players at some point to make sure I get a player pool. That makes sense. Jason, Day probably gets cut for that reason. But like, if you're looking for overall safety, he's sixth in my model there. That's something to at least note. I think if like my biggest concern with day and you can make an argument at 9,000 that you can get around that. You can make an argument at the ownership that you can get around it. Cause I only see like 15, 16% right now. I think that's perfectly fine, but I question what the upside, like I almost would rather have Jason day beat me. And I think a guy like Cameron young and Victor Hovland and Sung J M and Justin Thomas, 
Like those players to me have more built in upside to win this event than Jason Day does, even if Jason Day has a maybe steadier floor than some of those names. But like with that being said, Sia, all those players I just named are either on your team or on somebody else's team. So like you have to make a decision and like there's not that many more players that make a ton of sense. So with the way that this is being built, like I don't have a problem with the Jason Day pick. He's a top 15, 16 golfer. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Joe, real quick, it's a yes or no. Jason Day in your player pool or no, he's not in your player pool? Yes. Might have. Oh, it's a yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Good. Okay, so I have some backing for Jason Day. It seems like it's lukewarm from, from Jason Day's biggest fan, Spencer Aguiar, but uh, it's warm nonetheless. Speaking of warm, uh, the, the audience, you guys are just crushing it as usual. We already have our two guys, and it's a bit of a surprise. I mean, Dylan Wu, I, I love. All that guy does is make cuts and gets like absolutely no credit for it for some reason. 6,700, love the value there. And then we got Gary Woodland, who the ball striking is back and the putting is just not there. I mean, he was an incredible ball striker last week and he just couldn't find the putter. Is he going to find it this week? I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm very nervous about that, but he certainly has a ton of upside. And for everybody that doesn't is new to this show, you know we do our first round leaders at the very end of the show. And Gary Woodland might be taking a peek at that market. Uh, Spencer, real quick on Gary Woodland and Dylan Wu. Either of those guys rate out so well that you're like, uh, you, you, you got to play these guys. I think Gary Woodland is extremely boomer bust kind of for the reasons that you just said, Sia. It doesn't mean that he's not a good play and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider him. He's a top 35 player for me in my model, but I do have some concerns with the floor output that he's going to provide here. As of right now, I guess it would be an ownership answer more than anything that would worry me because I see like 14%. If you're telling me that he's 14% owned and I think the floor is really low, like that worries me. But if you also told me he top 10 tournament, I wouldn't be shocked. So I think it just comes down to roster construction and who you're pairing him with at the end of the day. And the way that this lineup is currently being constructed, I don't think it's so popular in spots that it can't take a Gary Woodland there. Like we kind of took all three of the most popular players and they seem to be fine with what they have. And then I'm okay with Dylan Wu. Like the $6,000 range is really gross. You're going to have to stick your flag in some of these players here and kind of plant who you think you're going to want to play. And I don't have a problem with Dylan Wu at 6,700. I don't know if he's the first name that I go to, but there's probably like eight players in that range that I put above everybody else. And he would be one of those eight. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with a guy we talk about on this show a lot. In fact, we got a follow from this guy because we cut up a video. This is like a year and a half ago. There you go. Sahith the Gala. Sahith. That's how you say it, everybody. I'm sure he's not offended. It's not a big deal. But just FYI, it's Sahith. It's not Sahith. It's been on the tour a couple of years now. Like, we could probably get that right, right? It's easy to say the Sahith part because the Thee Gala part. Like, I totally get that. But okay, I'm just telling you. Let's work on it. It's Sahith. The gala. The point is, uh, he followed us because we sent a like, clever clip over to him. And I actually reached out to him, tried to get him to come onto this show uh, for some sort of interview scenario. And uh, he didn't respond to that, but that's fine. He's a very busy, busy man. I like to hit the gala here. When I look at the weighted T to green numbers, uh, he rates out great, as you might expect. He is one of those guys that can pop in any given tournament. I think he's a good course fit here as well. Uh, no experience at Quail Hollow, but uh, I'm not really worried about that. These days, the lack of experience, I think on some courses, it absolutely can affect you. On this one, I'm not so sure. I just like Sahith Tagala's upside. And at 8,200, um, it's just another dart for me that, that I think is a potential top five dart that I'm getting at 8,200. And again, I, I love how this lineup is being built because we get so stuck on numbers and ranges. Listen, if Cameron Young and Sam Burns and Jason Day and Sahith were all $500 more, what would you think of that? Would it shock you? No, probably not. Because if Cameron Young was 9,200 and Sam Burns was 9,100 and Jason Day was 9,500, it would make sense even in an elevated designated event like this. So I'm not really worried about not having guys in the 10K or upper 9K range, to be honest with you, especially when we don't have John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler. So super happy with this pick. Joe, any thoughts on Sahith here? Um, yeah, I love I love, love Sahith. I, I, and I love the way your lineup's coming together. So yeah, I think you... I, you said it perfectly. Um, I mean, this is, you know, a, a really um, viable strategy to take without a without a John Rahm or a Scotty Scheffler in the field. Um, so I love what you're putting together, man. Yeah, uh, 
Tagala is one of those players that, you know, might not statistically always pop. Um, and as you mentioned, the, there might not be some course history at some courses as he's kind of still uh, working his way onto the tour. Um, but the dude is just electric, man. Um, he's a momentum player. I know that's not really quantifiable from a statistical standpoint, but he's one of those guys that feeds off, you know, positive momentum. Um, and, and I think we're going to see a breakthrough very soon. So I, I really like that pick. He's a fun, fun player. He's just a fun guy to have in your lineup, you know, come Sunday he, afternoons. We know what he can do in final rounds. So I really like that pick, man. Yeah, and, and I like what you said about, you know, the the momentum part not being quantifiable. Like sometimes you can lean on the eye test a little bit. And you see this guy like just getting red hot and it almost doesn't matter at that point what the metrics say. You, you, you've yeah. seen it. You see how it plays out when Sahith gets really hot. So um, I don't think there's any particular landmines on this course, uh, course for Sahith, uh, particularly off the tee. So uh, happy to have him. Joe, who's your fourth pick? Um, I think I need to go with a little bit of salary relief um, to give myself some flexibility. So uh, speaking of hot players, I'm going to go just, just ride the hot hand here. The course history is really solid too. Um, but, but this guy, when he's hot, he's just hot. Uh, so I'm going to try to, uh, stay on the wagon here with Emiliano. Yeah. I, I like Grillo. Um, it's seven K player. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just like the upside. There's, there's, there's certainly some uh, volatility there, a boom bust factor, but at 7,400, uh, in his form, this is a guy that we've seen go on extended runs. So, uh, don't mind going with Grillo there to save a little money. Yeah, I like that. And he's got a little bit more length off the tee, too. If he can keep that putter decent, um, I think Grillo's a, a pretty great value at 7,400. Uh, Spencer, you got back-to-back picks. You've got Rory, you got Fleetwood, Kitayama. Definitely a, a sort of a different-looking team, which is not a bad thing at all, frankly. It's, in fact, kind of perfect for GPP. But what are we doing with the next two picks? So I'm going to go very different with these two picks. I, I can't imagine that this is like – the standard deviation that people are going to try to put together here. So uh, with the first one, I'm going to go with Steven Yeager, 7,300. I see him sub 5% ownership right now. He's a golfer that continues to climb in my model every single weekend. It's like we saw it with Jason Day. We've seen it with Ricky Fowler. Those guys have now catapulted themselves up into like top 15 players every single week. We see it with Wyndham Clark now with the approach play that he's added to his game. And I'm starting to see that same move happen with Steven Yeager. He's almost every single week grading as a top 30 or 35 golfer for me in these elevated events. When you get him in some of these weaker fields, he's pushing a top 10 player there. He's added distance here in 2023. The weighted scoring puts him inside the top 40. So I think there's legitimate upside here on the play and maybe a little bit more safety than meets the eye for a golfer that's sub 5%. Here, so I'm going to go back to Jaeger. I played him last week. I'm going to go there again. And then with the second play, I'm going to take a really different approach here to a golfer that arguably might be the lowest owned player, $9,000 and up. And that is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Mm -hmm. So Fitzpatrick at hard, difficult golf courses. We know he's won the U.S. Open before. We kind of know anytime you give him these like eight to 12 under tests, he kind of starts to thrive. It's what we always talked about with Zal Torres. Fitzpatrick has that same mold to his game. And really, when you look at what Fitzpatrick has been able to accomplish this season off the tee, he, the distance is there. Like he's yeah. a top 40 player in distance. And that's not something anybody ever thinks for him. So the weight of proximity numbers are never going to look great. And I understand that. And I ran a lot of weight of proximity that should have just, plummeted him in my sheet and a lot of times it does plummet him but he was a top seven choice for me for win equity for this event and if that's being the case when it's a golfer that like the weight of proximity is pushing him down I love what the other numbers are telling me so I'm going to take a shot with him there and it still kind of leaves me in this range where I'm in the seven thousand dollar range and can try to at least round out a lineup however I think is optimal I love it I think Fitzpatrick is a really smart play. And I, I think certainly if, if, if we're going to continue to play into the narrative of, of, you know, bombers and whatnot, Fitzpatrick does have some length off the tee. So um, no problem there at all. And Steven Yeager. Yeah. He's continually a guy that just kind of is, is performing and overperforming his price. So I, I absolutely love that. Joe, you just, t- you just took Grillo. Who's next. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're at a point in the in the roster build you know for the for those that you know start building lineups this week this is kind of a point 
when you're constructing lineups where you can go one of two ways. You can lean a little more conservative, um, go a little more balanced, or you can, you know, as Spencer just did, maybe go with Steven Yeager and Matthew Fitzpatrick, maybe go against the grain there. Um, with Fitz is a very sharp play. Um, but I'm going to go a little more balanced this week just because I don't, I don't feel that you need to get crazy um, in this field. So uh, I'm going to go uh, feeling cashmere, baby. I'm going to go Keith Mitchell. Cashmere mm. Keith. So Great course history. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, excellent course history, uh, which which I put a little bit more weight into than some do. Um, but his last two starts at Quail Hollow, a T3 and a T8. Um, he's one of the better players on the PGA Tour off the tee, uh, which we all know is going to be play an important role this week. Uh, the form hadn't been as good as it was earlier in the year, uh, but I like the course fit and, and I like what he's capable of. Yeah, I think my concern is the short-term form uh, that you just referenced, Joe, with with the ball striking. I mean, it's been it's been kind of bad, but he does seem like a really good course fit. And again, at the end of the show, spoiler alert: he's a guy that is going to be mentioned um, by one of us uh, with respect to the first round leader market. Spencer, in or out on Keith Mitchell this week? Probably out for the reasons that you just said, Sia. I, I don't love the recent form. I, I He's certainly popping in my model from a long-term perspective. He's inside the top 20. And I think when you talk about total driving, he's one of the best golfers in the world there. But I, I do have some concerns about what we've seen recently and more so because he's like 13 to 15%. So I'm actually going to go, I'll take my next pick because I think it's a nice segue, although I probably should have glanced at the ownership, which I'm, I'm doing right now. But I'm going to go with a guy that's in that exact range. He's, he's literally that exact number. And frankly, I'm looking at 10% or lower on him. Again, this will be all confirmed at Wind Daily Sports tomorrow with Stephen Pilardi's ownership article. But Wyndham Clark, like, I, you know, I don't know what else we need to ask for from Wyndham Clark to have him considered, you know, among the players that let's say are in the 8K range, for example. He's, the ball striking is great. We know like, Historically, we just thought of him as an off-the-tee guy and maybe some good short game, but the approach is dialed in. Off-the-tee is actually tailed off from like where he was a couple of years ago, but ball striking as a whole, tee to green as a whole, it's great. Around the green play is great. Putter can get hot, and it's very consistent. Um, I think Wyndham Clark is a tremendous value, and if people aren't going to want to play him, I understand this is a designated event, and so it's a little bit of a different field, but I think Wyndham Clark is primed to succeed here, and I'm, I'm happy to have him on the team for sure. Um, Spencer, uh, real quick, your thoughts on Wyndham Clark in or out? Yeah, probably in for me for the reasons that you stated. Um, the game has just really catapulted in 2023. And like when you think of guys like him, Patrick Rogers, there's a lot of these players that this is a very good course fit for them. Right, right. All right. Well, we got some nominations coming in. There's two picks left for team audience. Joe, I asked you about your top three movies. Um, how about like one or two musical artists or groups not that you're necessarily listening to now but that are just like near and dear to your heart that you these are like if you had a go-to album that you had to listen to the rest of your life or go-to group uh, give me a couple artists that come to mind and i like all kinds of music obviously i'm uh i'm just a little few hours outside of nashville so grew up listening to country music uh which <laughs> probably isn't for everybody but uh kenny chesney's a country artist that's uh mm -hmm. from very near my hometown, a uh, tiny little town in East Tennessee. So uh, always been a big Kenny Chesney fan just for that reason. And yeah, but I, I love rock, hip hop, uh, love it, love all kinds of music, man. But uh, country's probably the, the most near and dear to my heart. All right. Well, near and dear to the audience heart is Taylor Moore, because literally six people nominated him <laughs> at the same time, which I, I think is actually a record. And I'm not joking. If you're watching this show, I've never seen anything like this. It was five all within like maybe 10 seconds of each other. It was Stephen Pilardi, it was Byron, it was Edward, it was Jack Fisher, and DT in Phoenix all said Taylor Moore at 9.57 p.m. That is unbelievable. Um, so Taylor Moore and Terrell Hatton, I don't really have a problem with either of these guys. Jody, I mean, you, uh, Taylor Moore was interesting to me because he rated out really well. Um, do you have an opinion on either of these two guys in terms of whether they're in your player pool or not, Joe? Yeah, Taylor Moore, um, I believe, will be there. Um, and he's a player I've, I've spent a lot of time kind of thinking about the last little bit. Uh, Byron and I, we, we play in the FSGA uh, season-long fantasy league. We don't admit we have, to that, Joe. Yeah, we don't yeah, admit we that have, we're uh, in that. <laughs> well, we have Taylor Moore on our team, and, and so I've, I've been thinking about him a little bit. And, you know, at some point, 
Um, these guys are who they show us they are. And Taylor Moore is showing us that he's a very good golfer, um, mm-hmm. a very good player. He handled tough conditions in a, a really pressure-packed environment down the stretch at Valspar uh, to get a big win there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting on the Taylor Moore wagon. So I really like that pick by the audience. Yeah, I think it's strong. Uh, Spencer, in or out, Taylor Moore, Terrell Hatton for the Wells Fargo Championship. In for both of them. And I have to say, if this is what the audience does moving forward, where they're all on the same page and there's six nominations across the board, this is a dangerous audience. Like, yes, I, I like what they did with their lineup in general, but they really found something with these last two picks here. Listen, and, and for the record, the audience has their own lineup th- this week. But, I, you know, when it's see an audience, I have no influence. Like, I barely ever exert any influence. I got to say, I don't know how this lineup's going to turn out, but I think this is a really impressive lineup. And, and it's partly because maybe they, they went forth and we ended up taking a few chalky guys in the beginning. So no offense, audience, but, like, you were definitely taking one of the three guys we took, which is fine. We took them. But, like, usually, like, that really popular guy the audience goes for. And you, you took a couple popular guys, but I thought you made some really – smart plays those last four are really really interesting tournament plays so I, I can't wait to see how that uh how that audience lineup pans out i think i think the audience lineup is starting to maybe maybe in a few months they're gonna like lap us a little bit and just like make all the smart plays and we're gonna be sitting here with with all the the chalk okay so i'm gonna round out my lineup this actually worked out perfectly i was going to have a shock the world play but it turns out if i took that guy i would have had the amount of money I would have had left over, it wouldn't have served me any purpose because you had, you guys had drafted or the audience had drafted the guys that I would have um, used that money for. So it just made no sense, which is why I ended up taking Wyndham Clark. And it's why right now I'm taking Keegan Bradley, another guy in Keegan Bradley that I think rates out pretty well for this course. He's not super short. He's good with the long irons. We've seen him win before. He's kind of out of sight, out of mind, which is probably why he's 7,700. Uh, I just think he's another one of those players that wouldn't shock me if he's, he's top 10, top 10 in this tournament. So I'm uh, really happy with this team. I, I, it's a, it's a tight fit with Jason day at the top in terms of pricing and Keegan Bradley at the bottom. I think this is a team that can do damage. Um, a, a, any Spencer, any thoughts on that? I mean, do, do you think I haven't captured enough win equity? So I think the answer I'm about to give you might be the kiss of death answer here. You never want to, you never want to hear this before the contest starts. This is one of my favorite lineups. Like I'm not even, I'm a Jason Day guy. I'm not a Jason Day guy this week. Um, this lineup, I think you do have win equity because to me, Sam Burns and Cameron Young are like legitimate top 10 win equity candidates that mm-hmm. I don't think is necessarily being, it is for Young. I don't know if it necessarily is for Burns here. I think this is a really good build here. Like every single player that you grabbed is inside the top like 17 of my model. Right. I don't like awesome. that's very rare answer to give. Like nobody ever finds that unique path to do that. So I like it. See ya. All right. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Joe, you got one pick left. Victor Hovland, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Emiliano Grillo, Keith Mitchell. This is a great lineup. Ton of upside. Who are you finishing it off with? Yeah, I love your lineup. See ya. I Thank think the, the highest compliment I can pay you is that, you know, I would, I would love to have Wyndham or Keegan. Um, I kind of had those in mind when I was setting this up with what I Big still boy golf. Right? Oh, there we go. Oh, you lose me? Got me? <laughs> yeah, but you're back. You're good. Okay. All right, man. I'll make it short and sweet. He, he, he's, a, he's a ride or die guy for me. Um, and some, some weeks you die with him, but I'm going to ride with uh, Davis Riley. Um, I think he's just a, a guy that's got a ton of upside. He can handle this type of golf course. Uh, the length won't be an issue. Um, gain confidence. One, one at Zurich with Nick Hardy. He absolutely carried that team. Um, was hitting the driver well. If he's hitting the driver well this week, uh, Davis Riley could make some noise. So um, comfortable making him my sixth guy, and I like the upside there. Davis Riley is sneaky. I mean, I, he I completely glossed over him. When you said his name, I was like, oh, yeah, Davis Riley's in this tournament. Super sneaky. Him and Nick, I mean, credit to Nick Hardy, who like has been so bad because um, he did have to hit a couple shots, particularly on Sunday to to uh, to secure that win. Um, I, you know, I thought about him in the low 7K range, but I think Davis Riley at 7,500 on this course in particular, I think he makes a ton of sense. And his ownership is like nothing. It's basically yeah. nothing. It's going to be sub 5%. It might even be closer to 3 or 4%. So that, that is such a smart tournament play, in my opinion. Yeah, we, we've right. talked about, you know, finding those differentiators. 
um, because yeah. there are going to be some chalky plays this week, and especially in, in this lineup in particular, my lineup here, um, you know, started out pretty chalky, but I'm willing to I'm willing to take my stabs on upside with guys like Davis Riley. I, I abs- I'm going to have to put him into a couple lineups because, and I'm not even, I'm not even a Davis Riley guy, but he just seems like such a smart play considering uh, the ownership. Spencer, you got one pick left. You started with Rory. You got Tommy Fleetwood, Kitayama, Steven Yeager, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Who are you finishing it off with? So to me, it's either Justin uh, or Ben Griffin. Um, I-, I think the biggest compliment that I can give you, Sia, is I'd probably like to just swap lineups with you at this point and, and move forward with yours. But I don't know. I guess I'll go with Ben Griffin. I worry about some of the proximity numbers that I see with him this week. But, you know, like the top 30, he's a top 35 player for me. I think there is some general safety that you're going to get from him for like a lower price, $7,000 golfer. Like there's very few names that I feel like have a better chance to make the cut than not down in this range. So I'm going to take Griffin. Like I like my lineup. I think it's, it's kind of one of those, like we've seen it for me this season, maybe more so than ever. I either win or I come in last almost every single week. And I, it's like a complete boomer bust. And that's what I see out of this lineup. It's a really boomer bust lineup. I do like the construction of it, but there's a lot of guys in like Kitayama, Jaeger, Griffin that are more towards that lower end of the top 30 to where I think Sia, like you kind of landed everybody inside the top 20. So uh, that's why I give yours a slight lean this week. But I like everybody's lineup. I don't have a problem with what really anybody's done. Like these are four of the better lineups that I have seen put together on the show. And, and we'll and you can you can take this down, Spencer, when you get a chance. Or actually, I can probably take it down, but. This is really, I really love how this turned out ultimately because it's a really good illustration of what the PGA DraftCast has to offer, which is, you know, different lineup constructions that you're just forced to build. You are forced to build lineups that you don't necessarily want to build, but that's exactly what you need in a GPP contest. And I actually, Spencer, I kind of agree with you, not about my lineup necessarily, but about all four lineups I think they're unique, but I think they're properly unique. And it's not, I'm not just making an ownership argument. I just, I like the players that everybody drafted, including the audience. So credit to you, Joe, credit to you, Spencer, of course, and the audience. I think, I think I, I, I literally, I can't, I can't wait to post this and just monitor it. I, I, this is one, maybe for the first time ever, I want to monitor like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I'm excited about all four. A- anybody can, teams. Uh, like, I, yeah. like truly, like, even though if I say like, I put yours in the first in the power ranking slot, it's not like the fourth team is that much different. Like these are four really quality lineups this week. Right. Um, Joe, I don't know if you know at that at the end of this show, we do some first round leaders. Do you have any first round leaders to to throw out there or no? Yeah, a couple just to just to pull a couple guys from my lineup, um, just because I like the upside. Emiliano Grio, uh, Davis Riley, Keith Mitchell. I like all three of those guys. Love it. Davis. Oh, Davis Riley. Okay, Davis Riley again. Um, we're going to hear Keith Mitchell's name in a second, but Spencer, uh, your first round leaders. The question is, do I know to give first round leaders? And the answer today is no on that. So I will give something different though. And mm-hmm. this is my bread and butter market. And I don't normally come on this show and give a head to head play, but yes. I'm going to say Steven Yeager minus 120 over Andrew Putnam this week as my pick of the week and kind of deviate from a first round leader market. I like that play. I was on a show earlier today with Patrick McDonald, um, who you know from the first cut and the early wedge. And that was one of his uh, head-to-heads as well. And I remember looking at it being like, uh, that that one looks really good. So I'll tell you, in the Wind Daily Discord, um, I will be dropping my head-to-head matchups in the in the golf betting tab. And of course, in the main betting, in, in the main tab for Wind Daily Sports, I will drop um, some, some of the guys in my player pool. I haven't finalized it, which is why I'm saying some of the guys. But my player pool and my bets, top 20s, outrights, first-round leaders, will all be in that Wind Daily Sports golf betting tab. But the good news is, if you watch this show, at least you get the first-round leaders, and sometimes you get a bet from Spencer just like that. Um, so I'll go ahead and, Joe, I don't know if you know this, but we hit the first round leader like literally every week on this show. Okay. Not literally that was an improper use, but we hit it really often. So you guys only gave out like a few players or I should say, Joe, you only gave out a few players. I have five here. So, I mean, I guess it's kind of a lot, but we got a full field. So it's not like I'm, I'm sweeping the field here. I'll start it off with Jason day at 40 to one Spencer, your guy. So maybe you should adopt that as one of your first round leader picks. I'll go to Keith Mitchell, Joe's pick at 65 to one. I will say this because Joe has 65 to one, a guy that I didn't include that's in the afternoon. And I'm not sure the afternoon is going to have 
a non-edge. I talked to David Bileski about this. There might be a little bit more wind in the morning, uh, and, and it won't be prohibitive by any means, but the afternoon might play okay. So I think Sam Burns, I think he's like 45 to 1. If you wanted to swap out Keith for Sam Burns, more power to you. I like Sam Burns in this tournament. But it's Jason Day. It's hit the Gala at 55 to 1. It's Keith Mitchell at 65 to 1. It's Gary Woodland at 70 to 1. And it's Bo Hostler at 110 to 1. But your first round leader, that is like the definite lock. The lock. It's the guy that Spencer didn't even like enough to draft on his team. His alleged favorite player who, oh, by the way, has won here before, just four years ago-ish, five years ago. He won on this course at Quail Hollow. He's 40 to one. He's playing in the morning. He will be your first round leader at Quail Hollow. It's a Tuesday. I'm telling you what's going to happen on a Thursday. You're welcome. Spencer, your thoughts. On a positive note, I mean, we already know like whether or not I like him. I have all the wagers on Jason Day this week. So I will double down based off of that answer, and we will bet Jason Day again. I love it. Joe, I got a comment in here, and it was in our Discord too, from Brian England. He says, go Vols. You're a big Volunteers fan, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go Vols. All right. Joe, we really, really appreciate you having on the show, having you on the show um, you told us where you uh, we can find your your content. Of course, that's at Rotoballer. But uh, give us the name of your golf podcast again, just in case there's a couple people in here that have never listened to it. Yeah, we hope you check it out. Um, usually Monday nights, we we kind of had a special this week with Spencer. We went uh, tonight, but the Turn Golf Pod. Um, it's at the Turn Golf Pod on Twitter, um, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, really appreciate you guys checking that out. We have a lot of fun doing that and hope to have you on very soon. See, so, yeah, it's something we've been meaning to do, but uh, we got to make that happen, man. I would absolutely love that. And again, if you're listening to this and you're not watching it, or even if you're watching it and you just kind of ignored it, this is at Joe Nicely. So if you if you don't already follow Joe, follow him right now. It's literally couldn't be easier. Joe Nicely. It's, it's spelled how it sounds. Audience, you were amazing tonight as usual. Come back next week. We'll probably have another big guest. Joel will be back with us. David Bileski will be back with us, probably producing, but maybe he'll pop in on the show as well. Ed, Ivan, uh, Brent, uh, Byron, Brian, we appreciate everybody being in here. Come back next week. Bring a friend. Um, always hit the like button when you get in here. And don't forget, go to windailysports.com, hit that promo code, and you get one week for free. Get into our golf discord. Um, especially with the PGA Championship coming up. There's just a lot that we have to offer. So make sure you get in there. Uh, there's one last thing, Joe, we do every single show. And of course, Spencer, you know what it is. It's sports. <laughs>